Hello and welcome to C3 City Light Podcast. You'll find us here in Raleigh until all are awakened to the light and love of Jesus. We hope that you find this message encouraging. For more information, check us out at c3citylight.com or on social media at c 3 Today is part one of a part of a two-part series called Rise and Shine. Today we're talking about rise. We're talking about resurrection. But before we do, I got to tell you a story because I love story time. I love to tell stories. And one of my, I don't know if it's a favorite story, but it's reality. And it was from my honeymoon. April and I got married on the south end of Wrightsville Beach. Then we went on a honeymoon. And we went all around the western part of the Caribbean. And it was wonderful. And we were at this one stop on the island of Turks and Caicos. And my whole thing was I'd never been on a cruise before. They kind of scared me. I wasn't sure what the people were going to be like because in my mind, everybody on a cruise ship wears white socks and flip-flops and sandals and fanny packs. And so I was expecting to go on this thing and see everyone with their fanny pack and their white socks with sandals. And it's like, I'm not doing that. But we got a good deal, so we went on the honeymoon. I was like, I'll just get over it. But I had a plan. I was like, I'm going to get away from the fanny pack wearing people with their white socks. Ain't doing that. So when we went to St. Thomas, rented a Jeep, went to the opposite side of the island, went snorkeling, had a blast. And that was my strategy. When we got to, um, everywhere we went, I was like, we were going to rent a vehicle and just get away from all these people. And so we're on the island of Turks Caicos. We rent a moped. We've got all of our snorkeling gear, all our friends, masks. We're ready to go. Me, April, we load up on this little moped. And we hightail it across the island. It's only a couple miles long, so it didn't take that long. But we get past the lighthouse, get to where we're at. We charter a boat. We go out for a ways, get to the continental shelf where it ends. And you look down, and as far as you can see, nothing. And there's all these fish. That's not even the point of this story. It's beautiful, but the point is, on the way back, we stopped to get souvenirs because somebody needed souvenirs. I just needed memories, see some fish, have some fun, eat a good meal. I'm good. But somebody, I don't know who, but somebody on the front row named April needed some souvenirs. So we stop in at this place. We kind of forgot to get souvenirs at all the other islands, and we're like, we'll just stop here and get some souvenirs. And I stopped, and I put the kickstand down on the moped. We walk inside. We start talking about souvenirs at this, with the lady, and we hear a loud crash. Oh, no, did somebody run into the moped? So we ran outside. Nothing had happened. No one had run into the moped, but the moped fell down. Clearly, I don't know how to use a kickstand. So we pick the moped up, no problem, start trying to crank it up, and the thing is dead. We're on the opposite side of the island. The thing is dead. Nothing. I couldn't get any gas to it. And April and I are like, man, cruise ships don't care who you are, where you came from, nothing. If you're not there at 4 o'clock, they will leave you. They don't care. We knew that. And we're thinking, man, it's 3.30. How are we going to get to this boat? I mean, I guess we could just start running, but it's a couple miles. We had a destination and a time, 4 o'clock, that thing's leaving. And we're panicking. We're trying to figure it out. What are we going to do? How are we going to get to this moped's dead? So we walk back in, meet somebody, and she was a police officer. And so we, hey, 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 this is what happened. Who'd you rent your moped from? Sorry, I have a terrible island accent. But who did you rent your moped from? Uh, Tony. Oh, I know Tony. Everybody on the island knows Tony. I was like, okay, okay. Can you call Tony and let him know that this moped's dead? Yeah, yeah, I'll call him. I'll call him. Okay, great. Hey, can you, um, I see that's your car, your police vehicle out there. Um, 
could you help us get to the other side of the island? I'll be glad to. I'll be glad to get you to the other side of the island. I was like, okay, good, because it's 340, and that thing's leaving at 4. We got to get going. Okay, okay. Um, no problem. Hop in, hop in. So April and I hop in this police officer's car. She's off duty, but she's driving the police vehicle. And we hop in it, and she's like, no problem. I just need you to help me get gas. Lady, I know the island's not that far, and we're on island time, but the cruise ship doesn't believe in island time. They believe in punctuality. So to you, it's kosher. It's cool to be 20 minutes late. They're not playing that. I'll give you gas money. Can you get gas later? No, 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 no. I don't even have enough gas to get to the other side of the island. Lady, it's like three miles long. Like, just get us. Okay, okay. Take my money. Get we stop. She's talking to the clerk. She's pumping gas. She's on island time. And we are spazzing out. Come on, come on, come on. She gets her gas, gets us to the boat. We jump on. We run through the line. We get there. They close the gate right behind us, and we're in. We made it to our destination. We might have took some years off of our life from worry and stress, but we made it. We didn't get left at Turks and Caicos. Life is all about destination. It's about the journey. It's about ending where we're supposed to end. And our life is going to get to a final destination. There's two things in life that are certain. I learned this at a young age from my father. And the two things in life that are certain, the IRS is going to get their money and we're all going to die. Death and the taxes are for certain. And I was thinking about death. Death has one of the greatest statistics ever. Think about it. Out of the 100 billion people that have ever lived on the planet, I can only think of two that didn't die. I'm going to kick it old school, Sunday school style for you. I'm going to take you way back to the Old Testament. There was a guy named Enoch, and the Bible says that he walked with the Lord and was no more. So he's just walking with the Lord, serving him, and the next thing you know, he was no more. He didn't die. All right, he, he, he cheated death, okay? The only other one I can think of is Elijah. Anybody remember Elijah, Old Testament prophet, called down fire. This guy was gnarly. And at the end of his days, he handed off his ministry to a guy named Elisha. And after everything's handed off, chariots of fire came down, and a whirlwind took up Elijah, and he went to heaven. All right. So out of the hundred billion people on, that have ever lived and walked on planet Earth, only two of them didn't die. Now, Jesus died. We know that on Good Friday. He gave his life. He was sacrificed on the cross. He was pierced in his rib. He was for our transgressions. We know that. But he didn't cheat death. He defeated death. And that's what we're celebrating today. He rose from the grave. And because Jesus rose from the grave, I can rise above my sin, above my shame, above the problems of my life. I can rise. The Bible answers our questions about the resurrection. He rose, and because he rose, we can rise. We're going to look at John's testimony of the resurrection In John 20, we're going to start at verse 19. I'm going to read all the way through the end of the book. That's only a couple verses, verse 31. But look, some of us might have gotten off on our Bible reading. Maybe we had that morning devotional this week that we forgot to open up. I'm going to catch you up on your scripture reading. It's Easter time. I'm going to get you squared away on your your Bible reading. No problem. We'll start at verse chapter 20 of John, verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, With the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, 
Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Come on, three days previous, the disciples saw the Jewish leaders come and take Jesus, take him, tried him, took him to Caesar, took him to Pontius Pilate, all of that, and saw how that turned out for Jesus. He was dead. Of course, they've got a right to be a little bit fearful. They're in a room, the doors are locked, and Jesus just walks through. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said that, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed. They saw the Lord. What he said he would do, he did it. He's alive. Verse 21, and again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12 was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Through the door, uh, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then Thomas said, Or then he said to Thomas, put your fingers here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Verse 28, Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told them, because you have seen me and you have believed, blessed are those who have not seen and have still yet believed. Verse 30, Jesus performed so many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. Amen. Read a lot of verses, a lot of things going on here. But step one, the first thing we've got to notice Jesus rose from the grave. He rose from the grave. They watched him get crucified. They were there at the garden when the the soldiers came to get him. Peter had been with Jesus for three years. His disciple, he's been being mentored by Jesus. And when they come to get Jesus, what does he do? He takes out a sword and cuts the ear off of a card. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit. The... He must have been asleep that day. He must have been tardy, didn't show up on time, missed that Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the meek. Nah, Jesus, let me take this one. I got my sword. Hold this. Watch what I'm about to do. What in the world? He cuts off the guard's ear. Jesus picks up the soldier's ear, puts it back on, heals him, and says, come do what you've come to do. I've been with you all week long in the temple. You've had multiple opportunities to take me. But okay, it's the middle of the night. Me and my boys are praying. You're in the garden. You're coming to get me. Come on. The time has come. He went, stood trial. They found no fault in him. Even Pontius Pilate said, I find no fault in this man. And he washes his hands. His blood is not on me. 
They take him. They whip him. They beat him. They put a crown of thorns on his head, jammed it on there. He's covered in blood. He's covered in pain. He carries his own cross. There's nothing attractive about a cross. It was an instrument, one of the worst forms of penalty and punishment in Rome was to be crucified. And his arms were nailed to the cross. His feet were nailed to the cross. He can barely hold himself up. Every breath is a workout just to, just to fight, just to strain, just to breathe. And so ultimately, he said, it is finished. And he took his last breath and he died. And he dripped down. And they removed him from the cross. They took him to the tomb that wasn't even his. It was a borrowed tomb. And they rolled the stone across the grave and shut him in. So they thought. They stationed Roman guards in front of the tomb. And they thought that was that. Could you imagine the disciples? They gave everything they had to follow this man. They left their nets. They left their careers. They left their fishing. They left their tax collecting. They left everything they were doing to follow Jesus, who was going to establish a new kingdom. And the one that a week before had been celebrated as he came into Jerusalem, Hosanna, Hosanna on the highest. The one they had celebrated five days previous now had been crucified. And the way Jesus saved the earth, the way Jesus redeemed mankind did not look the way they were expecting. And here they are hiding, locked in a room. I could imagine the curtains are pulled too. If they came for Jesus, maybe they're coming for us because we were with them. And Jesus walked through the door. Walked through the door. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. And he showed them his hands and he showed them his side. Death couldn't keep me down. I told you I was coming back, boys. I told you I was coming back. I told you I'm the son of God. He who believes in me will not die, but will have eternal life. I told you I was coming back. And they rejoiced. They rejoiced. But imagine Thomas. Where's Thomas at? Where is Thomas at? The disciples are there, but Thomas isn't there. Was he scared? Was he afraid? Was he busy? Where was Thomas at? He missed this moment. He missed getting to see Jesus' hands. He missed getting to see Jesus' side. He missed getting to see the feet. He missed all of this of getting to see the resurrected Messiah. He missed it. He missed it. And so they tell him about it. But he says, unless I get to put my finger in his hand, unless I get to put my hand in his side, unless I get to see with my own two eyes, my own two eyes. I'm not going to believe you guys. There's no way. There's no way. I saw them beat him. I saw them put the crown on his head. I saw them pierce his side. I saw the nails. I saw him take his last breath and die. Unless I get to see this, there's no way. There's no way. There's no way. 
all week long. Seven days of that type of doubt. Seven days of that type of fear. Seven days of what? Is, what am I going to do? I've left everything. I forsook everything. It all's behind me. I'm following Jesus, and now he's dead. And they're saying they saw him, but I didn't see him. I don't know. Seven days of a heart full of doubt. I can relate to Thomas. You can relate to Thomas. We all can relate to Thomas. There's been moments in our life, Jesus, I was trusting you. I put my faith in you in this situation. And then the worst possible outcome took place. I've given you my life, Jesus. I've trusted you. And my business went belly up. Jesus, I trusted you. I gave you my life. I've gotten, we were married. We've been married. And now my marriage is on the rocks. Jesus, I trusted you. Where are you? Jesus, we want children. And we don't have any kids. Where are you, Jesus? This isn't what I thought it would look like. And our hearts become full of doubt. We can relate to Thomas. Unless I see Jesus show up in this situation, I just don't know if I can believe. Unless he comes through for me, I don't know if I can believe. Because I feel like he left me. I feel like Jesus betrayed me because I gave everything to follow him. And then he died. Where is he? Where is he? I'm mad at you, Jesus. Unless I see it with my own eyes, I can't believe. And seven days go by. And he's there back with the disciples in the same house. And Jesus walks through the door. His resurrected body. He wasn't just a spirit because it says that he also ate fish. He was physical. His body was there. He was present. He ate with them. But he was also resurrected. And he walked through that door. Peace be with you. Thomas, come here. Look at my hands. Look at my side. Woo, Thomas is on the hot seat. How did Jesus know what Thomas said? Because he's the Messiah. He truly is the son of the living God. And he's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He knew what Thomas said. Thomas, hey, I heard you had a request. I heard you said that you wouldn't, wouldn't believe until you saw Look at my hands. Come, put your fingers in it. Come, put your hand in my side where they pierced me for your sins. Come, look at it. This isn't a hoax. This isn't a lie. You can put your faith in it. Come, see with your own eyes. See for yourself. I love you this much. Point number one is this. Because he lives, I can believe. Because Jesus lives, I can believe. He claimed to be the Son of God. He claimed to be the Son of God. He came, left heaven, came to earth, lived the life that we should have lived. He was completely perfect, kept the law completely. He died the death that we deserved. He did it in our place. Because the wages of sin is death. Jesus took our guilt. He took our penalty. He took our shame. He took the penalty of sin and he died in our place. Then he proved everything that he said. I am the son of the living God by dying on the cross and raising from the grave. Anybody can claim to be God. Every couple years you hear about a new cult that follows someone down to the jungles, drink some Kool-Aid and die. 
because they thought somebody was God. It happens periodically. You hear it on the news. Everybody, anybody can claim to be God. But when you prove it and you validate it, I am the son of the living God. You can crucify me, but death can't keep me down. I'm alive. And he came out of the tomb, rose from the grave, and he sits at the right hand of the Father today. And he offers salvation to anyone that would believe in him. Because he lives, I can believe. Now, I don't get to see his hands. I don't get to see his side. He's at the right hand of the Father. He's ascended to heaven. But tell me this. Where's the body? If I've got doubts and I've got uncertainty, where is his body? If he didn't rise from the grave, where is the body of Jesus? How did they sneak him past the Roman guards who were trained How did they keep this thing a secret? How would they pull the most elaborate hoax ever known? They didn't. He lives. And because he lives, I can believe. The Bible's been vetted more. There's more historical facts basing the Bible, and people still take it for granted. There's more facts around the Bible as a piece of literature than Homer's Odyssey. It's been more proof text and more archaeological digs to prove and validate more than anything else in that time period. And yet we still want to doubt and believe. But I'm just asking you today, if he doesn't live, then we don't have to believe. But because he leaves, I can believe. Where's the body? Ascended to heaven on the right hand of God. But here's the thing about this type of faith. Resurrection was a sign that Jesus was who he claimed to be. And if that is true, and Jesus was raised from the grave, this only means one thing. He is who he claimed to be. Now, this requires more of just like a mental response. Okay, all right, Jesus is the son of God. I believe it in my head. No, we don't just believe it in our head. We believe it in our heart. And because we believe it in our heart, our life follows him and his ways, and his teaching. Jesus, this wasn't just some metaphorical death. This wasn't just Jesus took a nap and then he woke up from a nap. No. This wasn't just metaphorical, spiritual. This was physical. He physically died. He physically was rose from the grave. Because he lives, I can believe. And I don't just believe with my mind. I believe with my heart, and I follow him with my life. Point number two, we rise because he rose. We rise because Jesus Christ rose from the grave. The resurrecting king is resurrecting me, and he's resurrecting you. He's resurrecting my life. He's resurrecting my soul. Here's the thing. If death, sin, and the grave couldn't keep Jesus from me, if death, sin, and the grave couldn't keep Jesus down, Surely my sin can't keep him from me. If he can overcome all of that, I know his grace can overcome my sin and the things that that gap that separates me from God. Because he rose, I will rise. I'll overcome every doubt. I'll overcome every fear. I'll overcome every obstacle. I'll overcome every sin. I'll overcome everything because if he did it, I can do it. The same spirit that rose Christ from the grave lives inside of us if we're believers. 
I love it another way the Apostle Paul says in Corinthians. He said that if the resurrection didn't happen, all that we've taught you is in vain. People ask me all the time, especially around spring, what's the deal with pastors and Easter? Man, y'all hype that thing up so much, you call it your Super Bowl of church. You make such a big deal out of it. Why do you do that on Easter? And it's like, man, I don't do it just on Easter. I do it every day of my life because the resurrection power that rose Christ from the grave is alive in me. I don't celebrate it once a year. I celebrate it every day because sometimes there's things in me that feel like they're dead and I need them to bring them back to life. Sometimes there's dreams that he's given me that feel like they're not going to happen. But if he rose from the grave and the same spirit's in me, because he rose, I will rise. We rise because he rose. Through Christ, we rise from death. We rise from our sin. But here's the bad news and the good news. It's both. The good news is never really good until you understand fully how bad the bad news is. You can't have resurrection without death. In order to celebrate a resurrected life, somebody's got to die. In order to see the faithfulness of God in your life, in order to trust him with everything, something's got to die. He can't make us new. He can't make us alive if we've never died to ourselves. In order to have resurrection, you have to have death. So that's the bad news. But the good news is that Jesus is alive and he offers resurrection power to all of us. You know, we started this message. We started this talk and this thought with the idea that life's all about a destination and a journey. For us, it was the destination to get our butts back to to the cruise ship so they didn't leave us in Turks and Caicos. I'm all for a suntan and being bronzed out and having a good time. But come on, man, I got to catch that ship and get back to work. You know, like, what happened? I just took an extended honeymoon. I'm going to live down in Turks and Caicos. No, we had a destination and we had an appointed time. And the Bible says that everybody has an appointed time. At some point in our life, we're going to face death. And that destination doesn't just end in the grave. That destination is going to end somewhere else, one of two places. We're made in the image of God. God was a triune being. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? We know that. We're made in his image with a body, with a soul, and with a spirit. And we're going to live forever somewhere. The question is where? Where are you going to spend eternity at? Now, eternity is not just about forever. John 17, 3 says, and this is eternal life, that you may know me. Eternity starts when we start to know Jesus. We don't have to wait for heaven to start living for eternity today. Eternal life is this, that you may know me. But all of this boils down to a simple question. Where will you spend your eternity at? In heaven, with God, forever? Or in hell, separated from God because of our sin? To spend a lifetime and an eternity away from God. Those are the two options. There's no other options. We're not going to get reincarnated. Jesus taught about the resurrection. Why do you seek the living among the dead? God is the God of the living, not the dead. He taught about the resurrection. And he validated everything he said, 
every parable that he told, every principle that he delivered, he validated all of it by dying in our place and raising from the grave. And if he told us the truth about that, I believe he told us the truth about everything else he said. Amen. So this is the story. This is the story of ultimate redemption. This is the gospel. And the gospel isn't simply a message of how bad people become good. Put some more paint on it. Just cover it up. Just become better. Be a better person. Do more. Try harder. No, the gospel isn't about how to become a better person. The gospel is about how a dead person can become alive. And because of the resurrection power, we can become alive in Christ for forever. And even though we're going to die at some point, that's not the end of the story. We can go spend eternity with God and reign forever with Him. And that's the invitation of Jesus for you today. So my question, my final question is, if we looked at the GPS of your life, if we just looked at it, your choices, your beliefs, your faith, if we just looked at the GPS of your life, not what you say, not how you mask it, but deep down of your thoughts and your heart, what you really believe, if we could just get past everything and see the GPS of your life, where would your destination be? Because the Bible says that who the Son sets free is free indeed. He did not come that we would perish, but that we would have eternal life. But we also see that the wages of sin is death, and the consequences of our sin is death, and that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. us righteous is the death and resurrection of Jesus. His blood was shed for our life and it covers our sin. Salvation isn't because of our good works. No man could ever do enough good works that he could boast in it. Salvation comes only from the righteousness of Jesus by faith, by grace through faith in what he's done. So if you're trying to just try harder, be a better person, give more money to the Salvation Army, adopt more puppies from the SPCA, that's never going to be enough to bridge that gap that separates us from God. We hope that you have been inspired and encouraged by today's message. For more info or to connect with us, check us out at c3citylight.com.